This is Culturally Attuned. Brought to you by the United States Institute of Peace in partnership with Burning Man Project. Trauma, trauma can make you paralyzed and it can also mobilize you into action. It's a question if you can see the light and if you can see something that you can do. I'm Dominic Kearley, and today we explore the difficult topic of trauma and how it impairs connection and community between people who have suffered through violence and generational conflict. Our guest today is peace activist Lel Magan, who lives and works in the Middle East, helping people to see the humanity in each other, even when the divide is painful to bridge. Lael would know. He grew up in a family that had suffered trauma over generations, his parents becoming hardliners in the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. Lael shows how trauma can paralyze people's thinking, trapping them in stereotypes and perpetuating conflict. But also he shows trauma can be a catalyst for healing, reconciliation, and cultural transformation. I'm a peace activist for around a decade, mainly in the Middle East. I live in between Jerusalem and Tel Aviv, the Israeli part of, of the country. I grew up in a very right-wing nationalist family. I grew up in that education surrounding because my parents had their own trauma they carried. And my mother is a daughter of Holocaust survivors and moved to Israel because of Zionist nationalistic ideas. She wanted her family and children to feel safe and she felt that the safest possible is only in the state of the Jewish people. Uh, my father is a refugee from Libya, a Jew from Libya that was expelled from home uh, through the riots of late 60s. And because of this, you really felt strongly that you cannot trust the other side and you should be very defensive. So my right-wing upbringing came as a result of a trauma of my grandparents, how my mother processed it, and my father, it was direct trauma on him. And throughout my life, I kind of uh, adopted their observations that came up from those traumas. I didn't even question or process my understanding of the local politics, but adopted their observations that was direct result of what they experienced. When I got to the army service, I experienced my own traumas uh, that were basically as a result of how commanders or other soldiers related to me. And this was also expanded when, unfortunately, I lost few friends in the army. They died because of, let's say, traumatic decisions or decisions that were made, I think, because of trauma. One is uh, sending a troop sending troops to an area that wasn't supposed to be attacked. And after ceasefire was signed, it was basically a mistake of commanders, and one was uh, shot and died. And someone else, uh, after experiencing really bad experiences in the army, he committed suicide and was basically under PTSD, post-traumatic disorder, couldn't sleep at night, and he couldn't handle it anymore and decided to take his life. These two is, I think, one of the commanders and one of the of the of my friend was a direct result of the trauma, and for me, it brought a lot of pain uh, with how I want to deal with it. Trauma, trauma can make you paralyzed, and it can also mobilize you into action. 
It's a question if you can see the light and if you can see something that you can do. Now, in the beginning, I was paralyzed. I remember myself in the funerals of those friends, feeling that I cannot really move. I don't know what to do. I was a bit even embarrassed or humiliated because I wasn't with them in the battlefield. I had a lot of anger, frustration and disappointment and basically saw life from a point of view of despair that uh, paralyzed me because I didn't know that there is something that I can do. Luckily, I had friends that already worked with peace activism and they connected me there to organizations that bring people uh, together. And uh, I remember the first time I went to a meeting with the other side, with Palestinians. It was through an organization called Combatants for Peace that they bring ex-combatants together. And we didn't speak about the conflict. We spoke about football, I remember, and food. But I connected for the first time with the other side and saw the humanity of it and saw that both of us share the same pain. And suddenly I, I, I felt uh, humanity that I forgot that I have and humanity of the other side that I forgot that I have. And this kind of first time that I felt this light that I was speaking about and I became very addicted to the spaces and started going to every activity they could have find that is bringing Israelis to meet with the other side. And eventually I expanded my work from small gatherings to long-term projects where people are coming for weeks and even months. With time, I learned that grief doesn't have to go to despair. Grief can also be a, a source of energy to mobilize and try to cure the, the situation. It's a question if you really remind people about the humanity of all of us and show them that there is something that they can do. Um, even if it's small steps, but translating change into people's daily life can create these points of light in their dark understanding of reality. And this is kind of my point of focus since then, and it's been 10 years that I'm working in peace activism in one way or the other in order to show this light to more and more people. Lyle shares his hard-won wisdom about developing relationships with people who have experienced trauma. Every person has its own, its own ability to connect with this trauma or inability to connect with it. And we shouldn't push too many buttons in the, in the, at once. Uh, we should find the right language and the gradual process for each person. So, for example, with uh, Arab or Palestinian friends, for example, I noticed that if I speak about my family history and my connection to the region and what happened to my father, if I make an effort to speak in Arabic, if I um, speak about the history of the place or stories of their culture and their traditions, we connect from a different angle than just speaking about the conflict or about the issues or about the future. Um, like showing that I'm connected and exposed to their history and their culture is something that enables them to be more vulnerable or less defensive. In the same way with my father, for example, every time I try to speak with him about politics, about the future, about solving the issues, he would erupt in, in, in anger and become very, very defensive and even aggressive towards me. But when I try to connect with the humanity I was speaking about and suddenly speaking with him in Arabic, that he didn't teach me Arabic, but I learned it because of my Palestinian friends, it opened his heart in, uh, to places that he forgot. 
And we started studying together Arabic. And I started bringing him to cultural events of Arabic music. And he suddenly related to a place that is outside of the pain, that kind of covered the whole experience for being in Libya, and started to be more uh, acknowledging of the diversity of experiences that he had with the other, and not uh, coloring everything with just the traumatic part of it, that it's usually happened with trauma. It's kind of becoming the only event that you remember from very diverse experiences, and it's kind of, kind of color all of your life. It's kind of before and after the, that trauma. One of the ways of kind of uh, a bit uh, weakening it is to re-experiencing that surrounding and to see that that event wasn't the only one, but there were different experiences. And maybe even that event wasn't the same as you remember it, which is also something very important when you deal with trauma. It's a part of these mixed experiences that you experience something differently with different people, and then you can re-examine how you remember that the whole event. We asked Lael to share his thoughts on the limits to using cultural activities as an entree to deeper connection. I feel changing the perception towards the other through a variety of activities is very important. Uh, if you created these different experiences that show a different angle, and it can be through music, food, football, cinema, TV shows, uh, you make people a bit raise question marks of their worldview about the other, and then see that there is a diversity in the other side, there is humanity in the other side, and there are points of connection that up until now were ignored. With this being said, I feel that this is kind of the beginning of the conversation and it shouldn't stop there because it should be harnessed to political change because if it stays there, it becomes shallow and eventually disappointing because it doesn't solve the conflict by itself. Our ability to party together is not solving the conflict. Our ability to party together and have music together is a platform for creating better relations, better political relations in general, but it shouldn't end there. And many times people mix between a mean and a goal, which is something that we should remember all the time when we work on conflict resolution. Over the course of his life, Lyle's perceptions of Arab culture have changed. We asked what the experience has been like for him and where he's at now in his evolution. I can tell a, a bit about the fact that I, I grew up in Israel, but of course with origins in Libya. And unfortunately, I didn't learn Arabic from my family. As a matter of fact, growing up, I thought that it's not Arabic, but it's a different language. I thought it's Libyan. The idea of disconnecting ourselves from Arab culture was very clear and very important. In some way, understanding how I was educated to think in this way towards the Arab culture is what enabled, enabled me afterwards to, to question it. While I wasn't uh, aware of it in the beginning, I couldn't really be open for connecting with the culture and learning the language. But when I understood that I was educated to see this culture in a certain way, I was able to creating new experiences that changed my perception of it and eventually my knowledge and my understanding. There's a part, I think, of being self-aware, and it relates to cultural competency in general, is that 
what we see as obvious can be non-obvious for other people. And it's something that we should be um, very aware of. And there are ways of, of behavior of how you speak and when you speak and uh, which question you ask and which question you're not asking and what can seem too personal and what not. Like really every basis of regular living can be under question when you meet other culture. For example, as an Israeli, I have many times cultural shock when I'm coming to the US or I'm in American circles because we are more straightforward or direct than Americans. And many times the what we feel obvious or natural behavior or even authentic behavior can be insulting or not polite inside American context. So even in, in cultures that are relatively connected, you, can re you should re-examine your uh, habits in order to enable uh, people to feel comfortable and to connect with you. And my way of trying to engage with it is the idea of consent and uh, asking if people are willing to speak about this issue, uh, asking if people are willing for you to be direct towards them, trying to be more polite or even just be sorry because we are too much automated to really be sensitive on everything, but being con constant process of changing for allowing the other culture to have space uh, and to connect and not to be shut off just because of your regular behavior. Lyle collaborated on a project with a diverse group of people from across the Middle East. We asked how this community coalesced around a common goal, despite people's cultural differences and even historical conflicts between some other countries. I start from the end. At Burning Man this year, we came together a group of 40 people from across the Middle East. We had people from the UAE, people that grew up in Saudis, in Saudi Arabia, from Jordan, from Egypt. We had Palestinians, Israelis, and Americans that join us. We wish the group to become even more diverse uh, in the future with uh, kind of changing the proportion between the cultures, but generally we've been there for the whole festival. Our gift to the community was building a big tent and offering kind of Middle Eastern hospitality with tea and coffee and mattresses and carpets and even shishas and Arabic music uh, in the background. How it was created, I must say that there was it wasn't clear process. It came about like step by step. I think the most important thing was that we met regularly, a core group of us, uh, since the beginning of the year. So we created our own new culture that allow open conversation and open connection. And this kind of became uh, the values that we radiate around us. That people from borders of conflicts, or from cultures and communities that don't speak regularly can become friends and can become a mixed community and can have a new culture of how we engage with each other and how we engage with the sensitive issues. And this is way before we talk about the, the, the music that we put or how the camp will look like or how people will be dressed. And throughout the course of a few months, there were a few questions coming up about cultural appropriation and if we should use this clothing, although some of us are not Arabs, and what do we express by doing it? And is it causing some superficiality around everything? And what's really a synergy? 
if the non-Arab is adopting what is being considered as Arab superficial expression, is it synergy or synergy means not to do anything of it and creating something new? And the compromise in some way was not to decide. <laughs> and people that felt comfortable of wearing this clothing wore them. People that felt comfortable with the tent and the shisha and all the cultural expressions used them. And people, people that were less comfortable didn't. But what was more important about our culture is the idea that we don't need to make decisions about this and what's more important is how we speak to each other and how we respect each other and how do we allow the different needs and different values of everyone be in the same space together and how we basically model a different way of people to speak from conflict areas. I think it's a lot more important than the clothing or the music or the tent. It's really the idea that we can be a mixed community and can be a model for uh, people around us and maybe even for, for the region. Being open to divergent perspectives is essential to the work of conflict resolution, reconciliation, and peace building. When we're able to listen to another's point of view, we are moving closer to finding common values that can help people heal and grow together. However, as Alao emphasized, making connections and giving respect only goes so far. If the result's in there, it becomes shallow and disappointing. People who have suffered from conflict ultimately seek a return on their investment in making meaningful connections and changes that can improve their lives. Has a cross-cultural experience prompted you to re-examine your own beliefs and values? How did your worldview expand as a result? Thanks for listening to this episode of Culturally Attuned. I'm Dominic Curley at the United States Institute of Peace, and thanks to our partner, Burning Man Project. <laughs>